Hey everyone, welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me, Mr. Daniel Arnellis. What is up, Daniel? It's me. It's you. Hey, how's it going, Jason? It, it, it's... <laughs> what's what's new? Oh man, I was just uh, I'm actually just moving into my studio. I've got a new studio space. Oh man, that's like life changing. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys have all had like really nice spaces since we started, but I started Worship Artistry by myself. Like with our, I had a team, but it was me. We didn't know if it was going to work at all. So I've been living in a moving blanket fort for like, like literally <laughs> like a, a blanket fort. Like it'll, it'll blow your mind. I should like post some pictures of what I've been working in. You need to, man. You need to. Because you look amazing in there. It looks like you're in like the most clean. It looks like you're, you're recording an apple somewhere. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> totally. Well, uh, today, today I'm actually going to be attempting to make my own sound panels. So we'll see how that uh, goes. I'm a little nervous. I'm not the handiest guy. That. <laughs> Watch out of that Corning 002 or whatever you're using. It's probably fiberglass and you're going to be scratchy and itchy as heck. <laughs> it can't be worse than I had to, yesterday I had to go up into my dad's attic for him and search for a squirrel. So, oh my gosh, it can't man. be worse than that. Nope, no way. <laughs> How are <laughs> man, you? I'll tell you what, I, I'm good. I was just thinking back the the times when I used to record at my house. At, at, I don't know how long that was, probably three or four months or six months or something, but man, it felt like a lifetime because <laughs> uh, my kids would come home from school and I'd be like, oh my gosh, man, I, I, I can't believe they're home and I'm halfway through this lesson and they'd be stomping around upstairs and I'd have be shouting up the stairs, guys, can you just... Please don't walk for like <laughs> 30 minutes. Just lay down. Course, lay down on yeah, the couch. And then, and then it's like, this verse goes to the G sharp. No, it's an F sharp. Hold on. This verse goes to an F sharp. And then you just over and over because <laughs> you're under pressure. So you even get it more wrong. Yeah, it is. Yeah, anyway. it is. It's no fun. But I'm excited because it's, you know, I've, I've for so long, like I do both the acoustic guitar lesson and the electric guitar lesson for every song. And that's like a lot to remember because I'm having to figure it out, arrange it do all this stuff and in order to make the trip to the office worth it like i have to be able to sit down and like knock everything out so just even so just now like i can i can be at home i can figure out what i'm going to do and then you know here's my acoustic lesson and then i can go downstairs and track my acoustic lesson and then pop back upstairs work again and you know go down and track my electric lesson and and Uh, i'm just excited life changing i I feel like i'll be a lot more bright-eyed and bushy-tailed oh yeah I'm excited for you, man. Super <laughs> it's gonna excited. Be good. It's going to be good. Hope And hopefully nobody will be able to tell the difference. Every, it's going to look just like before. <laughs> it's going to even look better. It's going to look better. a white background. <laughs> <laughs> It'll look that's better because awesome. I won't have dark rings under my eyes from like pounding them out. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, man, I wanted to thank you for today's, uh, for today's interview because uh, I got to sit down with Benji Cowart today, which mm-hmm. was your suggestion. Yeah, and, what uh, a king. Man. What a dude. I was just, I just got done. I was like, I got off the phone. I'm like, man, did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, Benji is the real deal. If, I mean, you always hear people say he's the real deal. But man, if you want to put a benchmark of the real deal, that guy is the benchmark of the real deal. He's such a good guy. His uh, motivations, all the reasons why he does stuff. It's, you know, I can, it's just, he's so transparent. He's so, uh, he's got so much time for people. He's in, in a good way though. You know, he's not, he's not got nothing to prove. He's almost like, I just think of him as like a, the martial arts guy of worship leading. <laughs> he's just solidly built, strong. No one's going to knock him down. He just He's just such a good dude, man. And he's written some incredible songs. And um, he's a great hes a great uh, dad. He's an ex- excellent husband. His family's awesome. And just, just being around him is great. 
Yeah, he did. Um, on, I, even on Worship Artistry, he's got. I think he wrote "Redeemed," right, yep. with Big Be- Big Daddy Weave, "Worth It All" by Meredith Andrews, and um, there's another one too that I'm that I'm blanking on, but. Uh, just really great, solid songs. Really mm. great, solid guy. Mm. And uh, we we sat down to talk initially about about just love it. Like and, you know, I asked him. I said, "What are you inspired about?" And he was like, "You know, right now I'm I'm getting plugged into a new church. I'd love to talk about how you how you can't lead well unless you love well." And I was like, "Man, that sounds like a great topic." But we got That's sat awesome. down and we, we 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 hit there. But then we, as with all good conversations, it just kind of like wandered into all this good stuff. I was like writing down quotes. Like, oh man, that's so good. Oh, that's fantastic. We already decided we already decided he's gonna come back again and we got his oh, ne- yes, next dude. topic. So uh, it was so great I almost missed my haircut today. So it was because uh, I just wanted to keep hanging out. Yeah, what a so, king, yeah. I, I yeah. think we need so to guys, not, we need to write some songs with him too, because he's a one heck of a great songwriter. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Well, hey guys, uh, we'll just let's just jump right in. Everyone, this is the myth, the legend, Mr. Benji Cowart. Well, hey, uh, so Benji, really excited to have you here. Um, I'm excited to dive into the topic we're going to talk about. Um, but you are, I mean, you've you've kind of been all over. You're a worship pastor. I know that you give workshops. I know that you're a songwriter. I know you got like famous on a YouTube video where you did a, uh, a spoof on the song Rude. Which yeah. is outstanding, by the way. Um, Thanks. So I don't know if that's what you're really known for, but that's I did I did manage to catch that a little while back. And um, so, can you tell me a little bit? Just tell me a little bit about your journey, kind of kind of where you've been, how you got involved in in worship music and worship leading and writing, and just kind of what's brought you to here. Yeah, I uh, I was I was that guy that grew up. Uh, my two nevers were: I'll never be in vocational ministry, and I'll never go to seminary. Kind of grew up in Nashville, went to Belmont, did the whole music business thing, thinking, you know, this is this will be my ministry. Um, and so we got we got I was shortly about a year after we got married. Of course, God, I don't think He does it to be mean, but sometimes He <laughs>, laughs at our nevers. Um, so we kind of left because I, you know, my kind of my my dream was to be a songwriter. And so uh, so you know, I thought when God led us away from Nashville that I thought that was going to be a death to that dream. Uh, but we went to seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and then kind of lived all over the country in ministry. Uh, probably the last, really, the, we kind of, our last and longest job was up in Buffalo, New York for seven years. And so just kind of fast forward to that, because that's really where the songwriting journey began. Mm-hmm. Uh, started, started kind of, honestly, I started writing, I've kind of always been writing, but really started writing songs practically, because it was sort of that thing of, man, I wish we had this song uh, for my church, and nobody's written it yet. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of get to a point where you're like, well, maybe I should just give it a go and see what happens. And started doing that, wrote a lot of really bad songs. Um, but then, you know, you do it enough and you get better at it. And what was kind of cool about that whole thing is started writing some songs that we were using in my church, but then they started kind of finding their way beyond the walls of my church. And uh, and so through all that, basically the short version is uh, what sort of opened the door back up to Nashville was writing some songs that uh, Big Daddy Weave uh, recorded and one that I actually wrote with them and one that I wrote. And then God began to just, and what I realized is that that was never, just the short version, God never asked me to give up that dream. He just, it was going to take 15 years of being in the church before I had anything to say as a writer. Mm -hmm. And I realize that now because I had, I come out of college and been a writer like 
you kind of a lot of times in Nashville you get one chance at a first impression. And I would have shut a lot of doors real quick <laughs> based on where I was as a writer and as a, you know, just even as having something to say. And so um, so we did that, Was uh, moved back to Nashville for four years doing songwriting full time, uh, but kind of got to a place where we, we really missed just the day-to-day stuff of being in a church and pastoring. And uh, so we just recently took a job in uh, down near New Orleans in a, a town called Covington at a church. And I still go up to Nashville one week a month to write. And they were very gracious to give me just to, they knew that was important and have allowed me to do that. And so now my wife and I are back. We both actually lead worship together, which has kind of been cool because it's the first time we've ever gotten to be on staff together. And I've realized that after 15 years of doing this, that she's much better at this job than I am, <laughs> which has kind of been fun to watch because I'm like, why were we not doing this for 15 years? Because everything just goes better when she's in charge of it. <laughs> that's, that's, a fair, that is a, that's a fair assessment of most wives, I think. Yeah, right? So that's the, that would be the, uh, I have a hard time giving the short version of any story, but that's the shortest version I can give you. Cool. Well, I think it's really interesting that you talk about that whole idea of having something to say as a writer, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, new music comes out or whatever, and you'll have a band that's been working, you know, for 10 years, finally gets their big break, they put out this great album, and then they just go on the road forever. And then it's like, well, what are you supposed to write about? Like, well, I got on the bus and then I went to this other thing. Like, where's your life experience? And you always get that second song that's either like, I'm crushing it, making lots of money. Or it's like, I'm so lonely by myself on the road. Like, those are the two albums that you get. (laughs) That's like so spot on. Well, even, I mean, honestly, even being full time as a writer, I was kind of like going, I'm pretty sure nobody wants to hear, like, wants to hear a song about being in a writing room. Right. And so that sometimes that's the danger of writing every day is you're like going, well, if you're supposed if writing is supposed to be an outpouring of life, nobody's going to want to hear any songs about writing songs. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I actually had I had this moment like this this last week, actually, I've been kind of slowly just in my own writing. I just write for my church and, uh, yeah. and for myself. And so I had all these song starts and my wife had a training down in Seattle. And so I was like, well, hey, you know, she's like, why don't you just come down with me? I'll go to my training for a couple of days and you can just hang out in the hotel room or go whatever. And you can just like try and finish up some of these songs that you got. I'm like, that's, that's like my dream. This is, this right? is great. Like I'm going to pop out a few songs. So I go down first hour. I sit down with a song and have a little quiet time sitting there, sipping my coffee, knock out a song. I'm just like, we are going to crush this week. <laughs> and then it was like, and <laughs> I just totally uh-huh. crashed immediately after. It's like, I write one song. That's what I write. I write one song, and now I've got to wait. There's like must be like a buffer time of of life experience to get me excited about <laughs> writing the next one. I guess I don't know. That's a, but, yeah. That's that's a good way to put it because that that's about right. So, but I love what you're talking about in terms of that that kind of day to day, you know, being involved in the church. How has that changed um, your writing? You know, you talk about life, and sometimes I feel like worship pastors. We almost feel like life in the church is like its own little bubble, and it's hard to even. It, like there's a there's almost like a screen in front of us, and we're having to try and write in this little bubble, and we feel like we're stuck there. So, yeah. how has being in the church informed your writing, and how has your writing informed you being a worship pastor now? Um, I think I, I definitely feel like you like. So we have this. We you know I'm sure you're aware of this, and we're we're aware of this. We've got this constant conversation going about music, and so you have the musicians musicians perspective where they're always griping. 
about the lack of creativity, the lack of innovation. And I get that, and I totally agree with that. Um, so, but then you have the other side, uh, like, so you start really doing life with the people in your church, and all of a sudden you find out, man, this guy who's a construction guy, he really just doesn't care about the things that, I, that are my super preferences about music. <laughs> you know, his thing is, man, just give me something I can sing in a key I can sing it that is actually scriptural truth. And so it's almost like you start realizing that um, sometimes when we do, and it's, it's, it's such a fine line because people are like, well, you feel like you're selling out. No, serving and selling out will a lot of times look a lot alike, but the, the why you do it is very different. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about my pastor who is, he's, he said, I'm a baritone. Can we just every now and then sing a song that a bass or baritone can sing? <laughs> And it's like, you know what? Yeah, we should be able to do that. And so even writing something maybe with a little smaller range, um, it just begins to and it doesn't mean that every song has to be dumbed down. It just you just begin to go, okay. well, my if I'm writing for my church now, again, if I'm writing for an artist, that's very different. Um, It could be like the difference in like I use this as an illustration. But, you know, if I was a choreographer and I was on So You Think You Can Dance, (laughs) there would be one style of choreography for these two elite dancers. But if I'm at a wedding and I've got to choreograph something that everybody can do, I would come up with the electric slide. Mm-hmm. And, and, you'd make a lot, and you'd make a lot of money. I would make a <laughs> lot of money. That, that'd be a side benefit. But it's like, what can I do that so-and-so's uncle can do that he's probably already had too much to drink at the wedding and we just got to simplify <laughs> this for everybody and you get the electric slide. So somewhere in between that really, really crude example, um, you know, it's like you got to think in terms of, uh, you know, I've done a lot of like even just studying the way Isaac Watts went about him writing. Mm-hmm. You begin to realize like if 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 our north star as a worship leader is to get the congregation to sing, and and it's not for them to hear us sing, but to actually get them to sing, mm-hmm. which I really feel like what we are in essence as worship pastors, as we are song leaders, like we can dress it up all we want to, but like ultimately we're just getting the congregation to sing. And, and, and encounter God in that way musically. There's a whole bunch of ways we worship, but our job is to make sure that our people are singing to God and encountering Him that way because there's things that songs do that sermons will never be able to do. And so you do have to go, okay, i got to put this on a playing field that they can participate in. Mm-hmm. And so it definitely changes, will they say this? Will they sing this? Um, will they understand? Because, you know, I get tired of, I get tired of cliché. Like, I'm a lyricist. So there's certain things I'm like, if I say that again, if I say that a certain way, I'm going to run my head through a wall. I can't do it. <laughs> um, and I think there's a balance because sometimes like anything, if we say it too much and becomes trite, we mentally just check out. Mm-hmm. And so it's that. But there's other times where you go, no, this is just the way to say it because everybody in the church is just going to they're going to understand that. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's I'm probably not giving you great answers, but it's like you. You're, you do have different limits that you give yourself because you just are serving your people because you love them. And you know, you kind of, as you've gotten to know them, you're like, I know what they're going to sing and I know what they're not going to. And I've got to kind of meet them where they are so that I can take them on a journey and go where we want to be. So how do you then stay inspired through that experience? Because as a songwriter, you still have to, you still have to be excited about the thing that you're writing, right? So, yeah. so how, do you, how do you maintain your inspiration or even grow it in that world? This sounds like a major Sunday school answer, but it's really not. When you start, like as you start 
getting to know your people and hearing their stories, and then you start kind of falling in love with them, your prior, I don't know what, you get excited for them. Like you get excited when you're going to sing a song where you go, I know they're going to love this. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily love it, but I know they're going to light up because they're going to be singing from their story when we do this song. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like you just, it's just sort of like when you start getting to know your people and you start kind of going, man, it's like giving somebody a gift and you just sort of go, I can't wait to see their face when we sing this song and they're going to know it's just for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of that, it's just, I don't know, I guess I think when your relationship changes a lot of the way you prioritize things, even as a writer, like as I begin to, but the cool thing is when you start getting to know your people and hearing their stories, like songwriting literally becomes really, really easy. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, great, I mean, I always laugh at like Chris Farley, I know this feels like an ADD rabbit trail, but it's really not. Chris, when uh, there was a documentary on Chris Farley, and they were talking about because I'd always thought Chris Farley just had this creative genius where he just manufactured these, like he manufactured Matt Foley, this motivational speaker. <laughs> but what I found out is all Chris Farley was doing was taking three people that he grew up with. I think one was his dad, one was a football coach, and one was another guy, and he just basically imitated them and pulled those three together in one character. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he's like, he's telling three guys' stories through one, and it's really not that much creative genius. He just looked around him and was a good observer. And I feel like as songwriters, we just have to be good observers. Mm-hmm. So when you begin to hear people's stories, you're like, oh, this is easy. I just need to tell their story in a song, and people are going to think I'm a genius that I came up with it. But all I did was tell somebody else's story. Well, it's a really cool thing. You know, it's funny that you mentioned like how it's like a gift. Because I was literally, as you were saying that, I think that's, that word went off in my head at the same time. Because I just thought, man, what a gift your church gets to have. Because not only are you writing songs for them, but you're writing excellent songs for them as well. So there's, because there's always, that, there's always that, that line, right? Where it's like, yeah, I wrote this song for you. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was really sweet. Um, well, let's maybe, maybe put that on a, on a CD and send it to me. <laughs> And I'll uh, listen yeah, right. to it or maybe send me an MP3 or something. Um, you know, yeah. there's that, there's that balance of excellence and how do you, so, um, which is awesome. Cause I even think about in my own church, you know, I, I've kind of been distilling down ideas about what it is to write songs for church. And I realized yeah. that like, why do I want to do this so bad? It's because I want to sing songs in the language that we sing them in my, that we speak in my community. Because yeah. a lot of times, you know, we're, we're up in this little corner of the Pacific Northwest like as far north and west as you can go. And you've got, it's just, there's, there's, there's a culture here. You know, we were talking before we got on here about like, yeah, I'm dressed up as a mountain bike biker as a joke, just because I look like everybody else in my town now. Um, right. There's just like a, a culture and a community around things. And to be able to say, well, you know what? This isn't really the way I talk. This brand new song that's come out and everybody's grabbed it, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's just not, it doesn't use the kind of language we do. And what a gift it is to be able to say, well, let me just put this, idea into words that you naturally sing or that you can naturally speak and make you feel like you own it a little bit more. So, so how do you find, I mean, granted you've been doing this for a long time. So like you said, it does get easier as you do it. You, you're, you're working through it. Um, how do you, how speak to a younger you, how would you balance that idea of let me give you a gift and also let me make sure that it's a, it's good. Like it's a quality gift. It's excellent. Right. You know, right. how do you, how, what would you tell your younger self who would get kicked out of Nashville? Well, I would have definitely said, because there is, you're exactly right. Um, there's a, there's a, a craftsmanship. And so 
one of the things is, man, like study great songs. Uh, study how, like, I mean, uh, like here's the, here's truth. Here's me just being real honest. When I first heard How Great Is Our God, like before it blew up in the church, I almost missed it. Because, you know, I'm one of those guys that's like, oh, that's been said before. We can't say that again. And so I, I heard that song. I was like, I like that song. I think I want to try to lead it. But I, it, I would not have been one of those people that said, man, this is a great song mm-hmm. until I let it. And then I was like, whoa, this is unbelievable. How are people responding? And so even just studying, uh, studying great songs and going, OK, what makes a song work? Well, like every line in the verse is pointing towards the idea of how great is our God. Like it's splendid. I mean, literally you could finish every line in the sentence, every line in the verse with how great is our God. The splendor of our King robed in majesty. How great is our God. He wraps mm-hmm. himself in light. Darkness tries to hide. How great is our God. So you, as you begin to study songs, you start to realize just the same as like, we've all heard the pastor, uh, you know, the young pastor who literally can preach maybe two, two verses of scripture. And there's still, nobody knows really what the big idea or what he's talking about. But then we've also heard the seasoned pastor who literally will preach all over the Bible and you still walk away with one thought. Mm-hmm. And so it's like there's there is a craftsmanship of songwriting where it's like when you when you write a song, you can't you can't be writing everything that you think about in your devotional life in one song. <laughs> you know, yeah. and we've all heard those songs. It's like, bro, I appreciate you writing your devotional in a song. But like this just feels like this random train of thought where there's no order to it. So even if I was talking to my uh, younger self, I'd, I want to always be, dude, get over, get over your whole, well, the man just doesn't understand my art. It's like, no, but <laughs> you're, you're just writing bad songs, bro. Like if the point of a song is to communicate and nobody understands what you're saying, then you're just writing a bad song. <laughs> and, um, and so just some of those things, a lot of it's pride because you're just not willing to realize there are some boundaries. There are some rules, uh, syllable count, is an important thing, especially in a congregational song, because it's like, you know, I love, I think it's, there's a website called song, my song in the night that talks about hymn writing. And like, even in a hymn, they say, after your first verse, you've entered an unspoken contract with your listener that you're not going to change things up too much mm-hmm. because the point in a hymn is content. So it's like, once you learn the melody, you've got to know that that melody is going to be the same so that you can sing the next four verses mm-hmm. and know that that, you know, it's like give and take. Well, the melody is not going to change. So now the lyric can change. So all that to say, like, I would have just said, you need to learn the rules. Um, and then when you get really good with the rules, then you can break them. But people will know you broke them on purpose. Yeah. And you didn't break them just because you're just a lame songwriter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, man, I'm just I'm doing it on purpose. It's like jazz. You know, I'm just playing out of the scale. Don't even worry about it. You know, I'm just just playing out. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So so I, let's go. Let's go back a little bit to this idea, too, of this. Um, you know, you talked about loving your people, loving your congregation. And when we first, when, you know, when I first reached out to you, I asked, what are you inspired about right now? What's really on your mind? What's on your heart? And your, your thought immediately was, it, you came back so quick on the text. I was like, oh, okay, right, let's go. Yeah. Um, but you were just like, you know, you can't lead well unless you love well. And yeah. tell me, tell me why that's bubbling up for you right now. I think, so, you know, as you and I were talking, like I've had... 15 years of ministry experience uh, before I went to songwrite, to write for four years in Nashville. And um, this sounds really funny, but like, I feel like maybe for the first time I'm getting it right after 15 years of maybe not quite getting it right. And what I mean by that is 
one of the first things that I knew I needed to do um, coming into a new music team. And, you know, there'll be there's always changes with new leadership, but just spending time with people, um, hearing their stories and really getting to know them, because I feel like when you begin to get to know people and then but you can't love them until you know them. So you get to know them first. And then as you start to love them, it's amazing how even little disagreements that, you know, if, you know, most musicians are passive aggressive, they don't do well with confrontational conversation. But it's like all of a sudden when you get to know your people and it's kind of like, all right, I know he's irritated about that, but also know his story. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I know that she, you know, and in good things too, like I want, I want her to sing this song because I know if she sings this particular worship song, she's singing something she's lived mm-hmm. versus just a song that I'm going to ask her to learn. And you, you just can't know that stuff. Um, you know, and people just carry a song with different authority when they've lived through it and they know it's true versus, you know, you're just trying to trying to sing the, have somebody sing the coolest thing that sounds cool in their voice. Um, and so for the first time, it's I kind of and really what's funny, what opened my eyes to this is I was actually out. Sometimes I'm getting to now now that I don't live in Nashville, sometimes I'll go out and hang out with an artist on the road um, and just get on the tour bus and we'll write songs in their off time. But as I was watching these artists go play in different venues and play literally, especially if you're not the headline artist, you're opening for somebody, mm-hmm. you're playing the same four songs yeah. every night and every venue. And I was just sitting backstage kind of watching going, man, if you don't love the people you're playing for, there's no way you could do this. <laughs> if you know, if every night you don't go out and your heart is like, God, I really pray that you'll that they'll catch something that they'll do something through this music and that your spirit will move because man if you don't like i like i would i would die playing the same four songs because they do they have you know you're going to play the radio hits and play them exactly like they're on the radio and you you know when you get a headliner you get to stretch things out a little bit but and it's the same as worship leaders like it's man if if you don't fall in love with your people like you're going to die inside because it's like cause you're going to put up with a lot of stuff, and if you don't know people and when they have a complaint and you don't really know where it's coming from, you're going to get all insecure and passive-aggressive, and it's going to get weird. But sometimes – I mean, and honestly, sometimes knowing people, you also realize, hey, that's their deal. I don't have to own that. Mm-hmm. That guy that guy's negative in every aspect of his life, and I'm you know, and I want to help pastor him through that, but I'm not going to own something that's not my fault. Yeah. And so sometimes it frees you because you just go, that's not my problem. And, and it's not an ugly way of going, I'm going to dismiss everything they say. But it's like you realize with people's strengths and weaknesses, sometimes they function from their weakness. And it's not your fault. That's awesome. So how do you get to – so give me some ways in which – you know, Daniel and I talk about this a lot. And we'll say like, okay um, – you know, Daniel's thing is, how do I get my drummer to play quieter? You know, take him out to lunch and like hang out with him and then he'll care. Right. Um, but you're extending that even further besides just like your team and you're talking about like people in your congregation and, and how do you, especially coming into a new environment for you going like, okay, you know, I'm starting at this church. I'm kind of stepping into this thing that's probably already existed for, you know, for some of us, it's hundreds of years, you know, that's this community that's built. How do you, how do you put yourself out there and and actually learn those things in a way that that is that feels natural and not forced? Yeah, and some of it like there's a it's funny the the words forced and intentional are they feel the same but they're two very different things. So it's like one of the things we've done that I've never done in my church before is we my wife and I are meeting with everybody that's on the existing team 
And it's, it's really not so much an audition as it is, is like, hey, we want to talk with you for 15 minutes and we just want to hear you sing. So on our team right now, it's just, and it's amazing how even just going through that of going, man, I'm so, I wish we'd done this in our other experiences because you just get to hear their little quirks and just even talk to them and hearing some of their story and just realizing like, because here's, here's the, here's the thing that I think we've always got to be mindful of. And I, I've made the mistake of using people to build ministry and you can't do that. You've got to use ministry to build people. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that sounds like a really cool bumper sticker thing, but you <laughs> kind of begin to go, no, this, the real life is so real life example is, you know, you, we all at the church, we all have the pianist who reads, who's a sight reader and not an ear player and doesn't, doesn't do well with chord charts. So one, you can either say, well, we're just going to change it. Sorry, we don't have a place for you. Mm-hmm. But like in our situation here, the the woman that plays piano one is a better musician than most people on the platform. She's just a sight. She needs she needs notes, and two, she's one of the godliest people on that team as far as her prayer life and just her spiritual walk. And I need her up there. Mm-hmm. So it's like for me, it's like I'm gonna. We're just so she and I get together on Wednesday, and we we actually because the problem is there's not except for wordish worship artistry, which I've just found out about, <laughs> because you guys actually print out, you have in notated form what's actually going on in the piano line, mm-hmm. which someone just showed me that. But a lot of times what's being put out is these full-blown arrangements where the piano part's way too busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now she and I just get together, and we because right we she has the full-blown piano arrangement, and we're just like meeting on Wednesday, and we're just cutting a bunch of stuff out, and she's willing to do it. Uh, because she knows I want her there and she's willing to make, so it's like meeting in the middle. Um, but it's like, for me, it's like, I need her there to help build the people on our team because she's just, she's just rock solid spiritually, Mm -hmm. has an incredible attitude. Um, and so like in past situations, I think I would have been like, Oh, they don't, they don't read, they don't read charts and they want notated music. And it's like, it's not that big of a deal. You just, you (laughs) kind of find a way to meet them in the middle and work around it. Uh, The other way is getting to know people is a little bit of that force like, hey, let's just grab coffee. I just want to hear a little bit of your story. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you some of mine. Let's just get to know each other. And I mean, it, yeah, it's a little awkward, but at the same time, they know that you care enough because you almost, in any first introduction, it's going to be awkward. And then after we hang out the next time, it's like, okay, we're past awkward now. Awesome. So just doing, just got to get out of the office. So what do you do though in terms of, so that, that was, I think that was a, like really awesome example of, you know, yeah, you've got this person and you, and you, and you value them, right? Like you're, you're like, I'm willing to inconvenience myself because I value what you bring to the team. Exactly. What do you do when you run into the opposite? Because we've also had that, we've all also had that guy on the team that you're just like, Oh man, you're just constantly distracting everyone and like always bringing everybody down and like being sarcastic. You're funny but you're really killing the spirit of what's going on here. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what do you, what do you do in that scenario? I think you ha- sit down with them and have the exact conversation of what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a hard conversation, but I think at the same time, like whether we earn the right or not, we've been put in a place of leadership and we have to steward that. Mm-hmm. And if you've got somebody that's consistently making it a bad experience or a downer experience for other people on the team, like, my, my thing would be to sit down with them and give them a chance and say, hey, listen, I love your humor, but this is what's going on, and I, like, I need you to stop. 
like, I need you to stop doing that. Um, and I need you to think about why you're doing it and think about how that's hitting other people. Um, and if they don't, and you know, you've laid out an expectation and they don't even meet that expectation. It's okay. in the next meeting to sit down and go, Hey man, I need you to step away for a while. Um, because I've asked, you know, I kind of ask you and whether you respect my leadership or not, I've got to answer to God for being the leader of this team. And, and I've asked you to help me with something you're not helping me. And so maybe we're, maybe it's just not working out. Um, but I need, you know, and it's, it's okay to say, let's, let's take a season off. I mean, I feel like we owe that to each other. I feel like so many times we either talk about each other or we go tell on each other (laughs) instead of just sitting down eye to eye and going, Hey man, let's, let's work through this. Um, and sometimes you just come to a parting of ways and it's, it's totally okay. That's awesome. Well, you, you clearly, you clearly have something to say now, which is awesome. Um, it's funny how it does take so long to, to get to that point sometime. Like I think back to say, you know, I'm, I'm 38 years old now and I feel like all this stuff resonates so clearly with me at this point. But when I was, you know, 23 and trying to be an assistant at a church and, Hey, we got to move the music in this direction and blah, blah, blah. And all, you know, like all my, all my arrogance and like, you know, well-intentioned arrogance, but total, (laughs) total arrogance, you know? And it's funny as you, as you, as you grow older, as you gain experience, as you gain wisdom, you really do come out with like, this is what it always boils down to. I think every guy I get around that I, you know, that I respect as a leader, uh, as a worship pastor, as a writer, they all kind of have a very similar take on like, yeah, this is kind of where it leads. It's not rocket science, but it's like you really yeah. do have to grasp it and have to own it yourself, right? Yeah, and I think too, I mean, what you just said is exactly right. Um, and for those, you know, whoever's listening to this, if you're young and you're in, like, you'd be amazed what'll happen if you'll just make yourself vulnerable and say, hey, listen, I know you're a better musician than I am. And I know that you've got like, because one of the things that will just sets me off, and I've seen it happen before, you'll get guys on your team. Um, and this is where knowing people comes in so importantly, because you have a guy on your team who's one of the best doctors in a region that you live in. Um, but he's a he's in a he's a learning guitar player. Mm-hmm. With you come in as your 21 punk self. I'm kidding. But like and you start <laughs> yelling at him because of what he's playing. And you're not respecting the fact that this guy's already done immensely more in life than you may ever do <laughs> as a doctor. It's just respect. And if you come into that doctor and say, hey, man, um, I know that with everything you're doing in your life that you don't have time to like us. There's, there's a way to get there, but it starts with you, him knowing that you, you know who he is as a grown man and that you're, a, you're still a kid. Mm-hmm. And just going, hey, man, help me. Like, help me know what I don't know. We've done that, like, right, even right now, my wife and I are filling in with the choir and orchestra, and that's not my skill set. We're, we're hiring a guy to come in. But one of those, if we've done anything smart, the smart thing we did is come in and go, like the old Jerry Maguire line, like, help us help you. Because <laughs> um, we just said, this isn't our skill set, but we're passionate about this, and we want to find somebody that's going to do it right. But until then, can you all just put up with us? Can you, and it's like just admitting where you're not strong, making yourself vulnerable for a team, you immediately win them over to your side and they start watching your back instead of trying to take you out. Okay. Whereas when you come in and you're 20, you know, you're 20 something and man, you're, you know everything about everything, the, your team's not stupid and they, <laughs> they see right through it. And so it's like, man, just, just show your cards right away. 
nobody expects you as a music minister to know it all. So don't overcompensate and, you know, be that little middle school kid who's talking about how tough he is. And we all know he'd get beat up in a second. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, just, just, it's okay, man. Calm down. Hey man, can I see your guitar? Let me, let me me see real quick. (laughs) Can you play dust in the wind? You know, <laughs> I got a funny story about that. When we were when we were leading high, we led worship in Nashville at Two Rivers Baptist Church, and so there was this punk little kid um, that like I wouldn't let him play my guitar because he was better than I was, and I didn't like. Well, that punk little kid is Chris McClarney, um, <laughs> but he would come and be like, "Hey man, can I play your guitar?" And I'm like, "No, because you're not. I'm not going to have you show me up because you know he, that was back during the Dave Matthews days. And oh, yeah. Chris would just." I'd lay it down even then and Chris sang like he sings now so he's like singing baby face licks and playing Dave Matthews and guitar and I'm like Chris you're not touching my guitar because I feel really insecure around you that's awesome but the thing is though I think you know to come back to your point too that how important confidence and security in in yourself in both you know who you are as a person as well as you know who you are as a child of God and, you know, what you're, what you're gifted to do. You know, we had a conversation this week on the website about, um, about playing skillfully. And, you know, I had to come to a point long ago where I had to go, man, you know what? Like, I'm just, I really have this respect for jazz musicians. Yeah. They're amazing. I'm yeah. not, I don't care enough about, like, I'm not passionate enough about it to yeah. spend the amount of time required to become good at that. I want to write songs and I want to, lead worship and I want to do these different rock band things and everything. And it's like, and that takes a certain skill set, but I have to also be comfortable with the things that I know that I don't know. Right. And, and if you're, and when you're insecure, you get in those scenarios and you try, you don't let anybody know that you don't know. And you're just like, Oh, don't worry, man, I got this. And then you look like yeah. an idiot. I'll never forget. Yep. I will never forget a friend calling me on stage at like a coffee shop gig. He's just like, Hey man, you play guitar. Come on up here. Let's play this song. And I just tried to like play in the pentatonic <laughs> scale. Cause I didn't know anything about jazz. And I was like, I'm, I'm making a complete fool of myself right now. Yeah. You know, like I should have just said no, but <laughs> I, should said, You're, I should have said I'm not worthy. Um, but you know, having that, but I, I think it's like those things that you like finding that security, finding that confidence and letting God work that in you. Because, you know, as a, as a 20 year old kid, as an 18 year old kid, as you know, 25, I'm, I'm still like, I'm still, I'm 38 and I'm still sitting there like, God help me on like figuring this thing out. Like who, like yeah. who you see me to be, who do you, who do you want me to be? And allowing God to actually do that because it has to come from a real place, right? It can't come from like, well, I'll just say the right things and then still, you'll still, cause you'll still harbor that insecurity, right? Like yeah. it's gotta, it's gotta come from a place where like, no, I really, I, I believe this. I feel this. I know this about myself. Well, that's something you, something you just said is so right on. And that is that, um, like, Again, now that I'm 44 and I can tell you some things that work well, uh, like even in front of your congregation, um, what you say between songs, like, cause sometimes we feel like we got to talk like a worship leader mm-hmm. and hey, I don't know if hey, you've ever heard hey guys. guys, Hey guys, I just want, <laughs> yeah. you know, God's been speaking to me lately. <laughs> yeah. The breath, the breathy prayer voice. Yeah, it's yeah. like, what is that? What's going on? <laughs> um, but it's like, even when like some of the greatest moments and most endearing moments where the congreg I feel like we really connect with the congregation is that moment where I had my capo on the wrong spot <laughs> and you start the song and the band's not in the same key. And so if I kind of look at it now where I'm kind of going, okay, one, I've got to look at what worship is. And if I'm in a healthy place, 
when I'm leading my people in congregation, I'm looking at it as the same as when we all, you know, as kids, we'd put on a show for our parents. And we're <laughs> all just in mom and dad's. <laughs> yeah, we're all just in dad's living room. And so one, okay, if I mess up, is dad really upset that I just, no. I think half the time God is cracking up yeah. during our worship services and just going, <laughs> that was hilarious. A little pat on so, the head, that was adorable. <laughs> yeah, just like, that was funny. Um and it really is like with my kids, like when I almost love it when my kids just go for it and they mess it up. And it's like, and I know that it's, it's one thing if you're just always unprepared, that's a hard issue that you got to deal with. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm, I'm convinced that stuff is always going to happen in church just so that we're always going, let's remember who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so the starting place has got to be, okay, if we are just all kids in dad's living room and we really do because we love dad, we really want to do it well. We want to, we want it to be awesome. But when we do make that mistake of instead of freaking out or trying to act like nobody heard it, as if your congregation is that stupid, (laughs) you just stop and laugh. It's like it's amazing how when you just acknowledge the elephant in the room that everybody forgets and stops thinking about it. And they won't eat like it's like, hey, uh, we're teaching you a new song. And obviously this song is new to the band as well. (laughs) Can we start over? Because we kind of blew that. Um, and instead of freaking out, it's amazing how the congregation just laughs and goes, man, I'm so glad we're in a place where we don't have to have it all together. Right. Um, go ahead. I was just, just going to say, like, when, you know, I, th- I think sometimes we have this misconception that the Holy Spirit is fragile. And that if we, <sighs> you know, yeah, oh, if we, uh, you know, if I mess this up, like, he's out. You yeah. know, and it's like, the Holy Spirit's not fragile. We're fragile. Right. But the Holy Spirit's not fragile. And if we can acknowledge that in a worship setting and say, you know, and when we make that mistake and realize like, yeah, Holy Spirit didn't leave guys. He's not like, we don't have to walk on eggshells around him. Like he's around all the time. You know, I think it makes, it makes such a difference and it it is so freeing for everybody. Right. It's like, Hey, let's just acknowledge that God's still here. And let's be honest too. Like sometimes we turn into big, what I call beat down worship leader Mm -hmm. where it's like, you don't love Jesus if you're not lifting your hands right now. And it's like sometimes like when you're secure, you realize like, I don't, uh, let's, let's be honest. When I'm doing that, I need to be affirmed. It has nothing to do with worship. I want, I want to feel like I'm doing my job as a worship leader by what I can see going on in the congregation. Mm-hmm. And when I get to a place of security, you know, I can go, hey, it's really like when I'm leading worship and because I've seen it too many times now where I sometimes I'll look out my wife and I joke that. Like, in different places we've been, it's like, I'm pretty sure that the people that we're singing to are mad at us right now, and they're mad about the gospel. (laughs) But then that same person, I promise you, I'm watching that person going, I think they're mad at me. They'll come up after the congregation, and they're weeping and going. And so it's like, I begin to realize, like, my insecurity can't be the filter when I decide what God's doing in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that some of my worst days in a song set have been the days that God's moved the most, and we've all had that. Um, I know some days when I come in, I'm like, we, we are rolling this morning and even feels like we're rolling, but you just find out there really was no fruit of that. Mm -hmm. And it, it, but it really has nothing to do with us. And so it's like, you were saying something, um, there's a book that ban, I think it's, I can't pronounce his name, but he's, I think he's at the church with Jesus culture, but it's banning Liebscher, I think. Is that his name? I I don't know. It sounds hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But he's got a book called Rooted, and one of the things he said that I took away from that is even as worship pastors, even before we're worship pastors, if we don't have to be anything else, we just have to be good sons. Mm-hmm. 
and it's amazing, like, or, you know, or good daughters. I want to be sexist here. But, yeah. but it's like as children, like it's amazing when you go, oh, well, I can, I can be a good son mm-hmm. in even meeting with people and just serving them spiritually. And I don't even have to be like I want to be better as a musician because I want to steward every gift I've been given. But in the meantime, I'm always going to be a son. Mm-hmm. And so what does it look like to be a son and just be a son and a representative of God and go sit with somebody and have coffee and realize, man, okay, maybe this conversation isn't even supposed to have anything to do with music. I just need to shut up and listen for a while and mm-hmm. see what's going on in their heart. And it's just so freeing when you go, I just all I've got to do is be who God is making me spiritually. I know that sounds like a, a Sunday school answer. Hey, Sunday school is good, man. Sunday school is, hey, I, it's funny you say that because like my wife and I were drawn to this church that we're at. We're at a First Baptist Church in uh, Louisiana. But like all these things that we started going, oh, wait a minute. Why don't we have, because, you know, with schedules and all that, I have four kids, we're busy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, what if, what if we had small group? This sounds crazy, I know, but what if we had small group on the same day that we had worship? Oh, that's called Sunday school. <laughs> Genius. You know, or yeah. even like, man, we're, 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 everybody's talking about a lack of community in the church. Hey, what if we all got together once a week for a meal? Oh, that's Wednesday night. That's Wednesday night dinner. Yeah. Whoa, revolutionary. So <laughs> like some of the things we were drawn to about this church were just little things like that of going, hey, maybe some of these ideas that we all rush to throw out, maybe we need to repurpose them and rethink through what they are. But they're actually like it's a really smart idea to have that time of small group fellowship on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of genius, actually, if you do it right. <laughs> Brilliant. You know? Brilliant. <laughs> Well, there is a uh, there's actually a whole lot of brilliant things that you're saying in there, Benji, and I really really appreciate you taking the time and and sharing with our audience. I think, you know, this is the stuff that it's it's funny. Sometimes I feel like on on the podcast and in blog posts and all the things that we're doing, like sometimes you feel like you're saying the same thing over and over again. And not that you're doing that, but I'm just saying like it just you just realize that man, how many times did I have to hear this yeah. before it actually became real to me? And not just yeah. something that was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's ongoing. And I think as being a part of being a worship pastor, being someone who serves people, being in that especially unique role, which sometimes we don't acknowledge that it's unique. We treat it like it's, oh, this is just like being in my band. It's like, no, yeah. it's entirely different. It's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole different world. You know, when people are like, oh, the worship genre, it's like, it's not a genre. It's a different yeah. thing, you know? Um, but to actually take that and make that real and have that be something that we really understand, I feel like this is just the foundation. What you're saying is like, that's the foundation of everything that we need to be doing as worship pastors. And, you know, the more that we can hear and the more different ways we can hear it and understand, it, I think the better. So really, thank you so much for taking time and, uh, and sharing it with us. Because I'm, I'm like writing down the way you're saying things and I'm just like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a winner. I gotta go dig. You got, I gotta go dig into some more of your songs. We got we we have three of them on the website. I did a search the other day. We have redeemed and uh, we got a Meredith Andrews song. Yeah, it's not in front of me at the at the moment, but yeah, it's, it's, it might have been. Uh, I mean, I've written with her some, and uh, worth it all was probably. Yes, it was worth it. Might have been that. Yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful song. Thanks, so, man. So thanks for serving the church that way, and for serving the church in the way that you are. It's it's really awesome. Well, and thank you all for what you do. Like, again, you're talking about younger Benji. Like, <laughs> had I had access to worship artistry, like even just someone going, this is how you actually play the part. <laughs> like, it's like, 
mind-blowing because again we all know this is the simplicity is what really when you get more players on the stage everybody's got to play simpler but but just really appreciate as you guys are kind of uh, I've kind of been talking with Daniel kind of from the beginning off and on and just hearing where it's at and just such a massive resource such a tool oh thank you it's it's a gift to be able to do it it's awesome so thank you very much thank you Man, I can't wait to get uh, some more from him in a future podcast. What an absolute king. Yeah, he, he, is, he is a king. You keep saying that, and I'm going to run with that because he, <laughs> he is fantastic. Such a good time. Well, uh, we're not kings, but sometimes people still ask us questions. So, Daniel, what time is it? Member mail. Hit it. Yes! <laughs> I think that's the first time I've ever got a ride. <laughs> first time like get batman first try, first try. <laughs> well uh today's question uh it's awesome he actually asked the question and then he kind of gives a great answer but we can kind of chip in with it as well um this is from chuck and he is from cisco texas what is the best approach when there are two electric guitarists in the same band? And he puts in parentheses, one of which is me. Is it, best to, is it best to say something like, what parts would you like to play this weekend? If you want to play the intros and high leads, I can give the practice attention to the lower backing chords. Let me know what you prefer and I'll be glad to go in either direction. He's like, is that a good thing to say? It's like, yeah, that's a great thing to say. Absolutely. But, um, but I think it's a great question. Like, how do you, if you are a duplicate instrument in a band, which you have a lot of times mm-hmm. in, in worship bands, how do you go about arranging those those parts, especially in advance, so that you guys both know what you're what you're doing? What do you do when you have two bass players, Daniel? You know what this is like. <laughs> we pan them to the left and to the right, and then mute one of them, <laughs> and then pan the other one back to the middle. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, well, with two guitars, I've been in that in that world quite a bit. In fact, um, you know, especially on sessions uh, when we when we're creating songs, but even when when I've played with artists that have you know we've jumped in to do a, a rehearsal the other day with Greg Sykes, he's an artist on Integrity, and we were gonna go play with him down in Orlando and the two guitar players like right at the off the bat they got together and they were like hey um I'll you know I'll be you know which part do you want to want to play play and the one dude's like yeah I'll get this part you get that part uh, the problem is sometimes if you if the guys don't really know the song well or they didn't really do their homework to listen to learn the, the song then they, they really haven't they're gonna just doodle around and do whatever they want uh, and as you know that kind of can create just muddy mess especially if both of them have been playing big power chords right in the middle on exactly the same chords as the acoustic guitar <laughs> and the piano <laughs> so so yeah i think getting getting an idea of um you know uh especially if when it comes to like the ambient cool stuff that that's often in worship songs at the beginning or and then letting you, you're more of a guitar player than me but like getting someone to play the hooky parts and then some of the high triad stuff and then someone else playing the big diamondy kind of chords down at the bottom i'm just thinking of when i produce records what i'm looking for is usually someone to kind of lay down a, a nice bed of, of a rhythm section which is either big diamonds or some chugs depending on if there's if there's subdivision in a different instrument like if a bass is chugging away on eights i might actually get him to play big diamonds on the acoustic instead of chugging away on the i mean on the electric instead of chugging away on the electric as well because then everything starts to go gunk 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 and if that's what you're looking for in a particular song cool uh, and then just le- and then, but then letting someone else say hey, I'll do all the ambient stuff and the high hooky kind of th- kind of things and um, I think even just an email to each other to say you know which parts are you obviously it's, there's there's going to be times where one one guy is actually more proficient player and it might be better to give that person all the little lead parts that are more difficult to play 
And usually I think that'll settle itself. But if you've got two great players, I think you should be able to discuss it and get get through that stuff pretty easy. What do you think, Jace? Yeah, I think it's good to, to, I think the important thing is to communicate in advance and to, and to not go in assuming that you know what the person's gonna say. Like different musicians like to do different things. I actually, I can play all the lead stuff and I like to do that. But man, sometimes I really just like playing rhythm guitar. Like I'll just do the big strums all day and just like, this is where I wanna be. I don't even wanna mess with the other stuff. And so like your mood might change or you know, you might assume, oh, the lead stuff's all the fun parts. So I'll let that guy do all the lead stuff. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. prefer him or her. And then, and then you might find out, man, I was just too busy this week. I didn't have time to do mm-hmm. any of that stuff. And all the while, like you could have been approaching yeah. those leads. So I think, I think communicating in advance and just saying like, hey, let's let's talk about what parts. How's your time for practice this week? What do you feel confident in hitting? You know, um, how would you prefer? Would you prefer if I took all those kind of parts? Do you want to split it? Do you want to like, man, I really love the lead on this song. I'm going to take that lead. Mm-hmm. You take this lead. You know, it's just to have an open conversation and not necessarily assume that you know what the That's other great. person prefers. And then you know if. If you have people that you're working with a lot, then you usually find some kind of rhythm to you. Yeah, I'll take this, these high parts, you take the low parts, or you know, vice versa. I mean, sometimes we actually have a really great blog post on playing with two electric guitars over in the green room. Um, you can just search for you know two electrics, but it's just kind of some really fun, unique ways to approach playing with two electric guitars because yeah, there's the basics of like, oh yeah, you can do one person does the rhythm and one person does more of a lead part. Uh, but there's ways that you can kind of both take on leads and mm-hmm. do alternating parts and I don't yeah, know, there's like a lot striper. of really cool stuff there. So like if you um, like striper, well, yeah, man, exactly. Full melodies, the harmonies. If you're finger tapping, only yeah. one person should be finger tapping. That's a, yeah, exactly. I think that's even the if the other person's finger tapping on the same neck, though, that's fine as long as it's not on another guitar. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. That's that's even better. That's not distracting at all. <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey guys, if uh, if you don't want to be a distracting guitar player, but maybe you want to be a solid member of the band, uh, we highly recommend checking out worshipartistry.com where you can learn five-piece tutorials for drums, bass, keys, acoustic, and electric guitar. You can learn all the latest songs. Me and Daniel teach them, as well as Ryan and Josh. And uh, we have somebody, a guy named Jared from earlier times. And, um, and it's unbelievably cheap, and you can try it out for free. So I highly suggest mm-hmm. signing up for a free account there. Um, the other thing that you can support us, if you don't want to do that, the other way that you can support the podcast is just by going out and taking like two minutes and just writing us a review on, on iTunes. It is a huge help. It helps get the word out. Uh, we've, we've actually had a nice bump, but we need it to keep going. Cool. We need like lots and lots and lots. So if you've got two minutes, it'd be great if you would do that. Um, other than that, guys, have a great week. Enjoy. Get in there. Practice. Make it happen.